0: Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you today. Happy Monday, Dr. Paul. How are you today? Doing well. Ready and raring to go. Staying warm. (laughs) Solve all the problems. The problem that we're going to talk about today... Uh, and we'll try to put it into perspective because it's just another evil of war but uh, people want to express to themselves we have limits you know yeah. we don't want to, we don't want any civilians killed yet uh, you go by percentages, and it's the civilian or the innocent people who have been dragged into the war or drafted. They're the ones who suffer. And that has to do with the subject of of, uh, cluster bombs. Mm -hmm. And it points out that our president uh, is ambivalent and uh, flip-flops. And I know this will surprise a lot of our (laughs) listeners that he would change his mind. But he, he was always uh, generally very much opposed to cluster bombs because of the lingering damage and danger uh, to civilians, which uh, isn't very appealing. Uh, sometimes I express myself as saying, "Well, it's, it's never as it seems." I don't know, uh, you know, you know, you stop all the cluster bombs. Or st- They'll figure out something else or they'll yeah. cheat but in fact i think that was one thing that uh, that ukraine did they used them early in the war yeah. <laughs> they've been using them and they said and they said well russia's using them and so it's back and forth but it, the, the, the concentration in the news today, and with us is uh, w- what's the story on the cluster bomb? Can we, if we just eliminated cluster bombs, would we have peace tomorrow? <laughs> yeah. and that's that's where I have uh, have my doubts, and uh, and but the president uh, was opposed to it one time. His administration uh, said that it was a potential war crime, and. Uh, and uh, i guess they can but i can think of some other war crime you know if if you're do, if you're doing putting on sanctions and you blow up gas lines or dams mm-hmm. and you you kill ten thousand people uh it's not called a war crime you know uh, it, that's just an accident or something else but no they they uh want to uh they they use this and i think it's sort of a relief of a little bit of guilt yes we want war we want fighting we want to win but there's a limit you know yeah. we're still humanity and uh, humanica uh, human- humanism yeah. that, that we, we we do care about humanity and we want to be cautious so that's that's the big thing now that uh that but with uh, and with the nato thing coming up uh, the, the cluster bombing is a big talk and uh my guess is that uh it'll be a big talk and. Uh I guess one thing that we might mention, you could mention, is one of the major reasons is we're running out of weapons. Yeah. <laughs> and this is what we have left over. We were not going to use them, but now we need to yeah. use them. And that's the excuse for, uh, you know, becoming a potential war criminal.
1: Yeah. When we were talking offline, you know, your reaction <laughs> was, you know, obviously the right one that, okay, all war is war crime. You know, all <laughs> war is terrible. These are terrible weapons. Um But I think there is a special connotation, and you know, sort of de facto, yes, it's all terrible. Kids are stepping on mines all the time. But there's a special connotation, and you know black people in history like Princess Diana, she made her life's work getting rid of these mines, and so I think people have that in their memory. We know that we dropped millions and millions of cluster bombs in places like Cambodia and Laos, Uh, and they still linger, only a very small amount. Uh, And the problem is the dud rate, you know, that can be up. You know, Biden promised that this only going to be a 1% dud rate, which is the ones that don't explode. Some kid finds it and kicks it or grabs it and blows them up. But apparently, the New York Times did a piece saying, well, they're not really telling the truth because we're going to use some old stock and they have a very high dud rate, like up to 30%. So that's the case. But there is still this feeling. And that's why I almost think I could be wrong, but it almost feels like this is a watershed event. And I guess we can go through it as we as we talk today. But on the one hand, you've got the global reaction to it. The U.S. has put itself in a very, very uncomfortable position with Biden's decision in that it is on the opposite side of the vast majority of its NATO allies who have passed laws and signed international conventions that they will not use and will not support the use of cluster bombs. So the U.S. has now put itself at odds with all of its allies. And we can talk about some of the domestic implications for Biden as well. But one thing we can say, it's a big deal. Let's put on the first clip. This is from Politico. And here's how they frame it. <coughs> U.S. approves cluster bombs de- despite humanitarian concerns. And so that's a big issue and that's what people are thinking about. Uh, but you mentioned now the whole issue of weapons. And let's play that first video clip because this is, Biden has a way of sometimes telling the truth. <laughs> um, he's walking out and he's getting grilled by a journalist. If we can full screen that,
0: President, any update on the cocaine? President, I cluster munitions. Why now? We're running out of ammunition.
1: President, why cluster bombs? Why now? Because we're running out of weapons. He <laughs> said, as they say, the quiet part out loud that you're not supposed to say. We have shipped
0: so much stuff there. We're basically out. Well, in a way, we could wish they ran out of weapons real soon on a bunch of them. That's not going to happen. Uh, it's top priority because they can work the. Uh, patriotism into yeah. it and the military industrial complex they they will get their weapons who knows they may not have really run out of weapons <laughs> but they have they have, are probably looking and it is claimed and you understand the military industrial complex knows the legislation of secession yeah. Oh, they're probably going to be talking about you know more funding for the uh, for the war in Ukraine but um, they they admitted that that uh, Maybe they're running out of the ordinary weapons, so therefore we have to gather up what we have laying around. There may be some truth to that. But then I got to thinking, well, they're also running out of money. Yeah, They're running out of money, and they're wondering where to get it. And the people are getting a little bit annoyed. Why are you spending it over there on the borders in Ukraine and not here? And there's more people unemployed, all these problems that we have. And... uh, we, we're also running out of recruits. Yeah. You know? So maybe the military industrial complex is going to have to hustle and they probably will. But uh, I wish that was a sign that the desire and the uh, prestige of the uh, of our empire might be diminished because it's, it's that. It's the patriotic desire to be the tough dog mm. that people can't give up because that's the greatness of America. Uh, I happen to think that uh, what we're doing and try to throw our weight around and putting sanctions on others and bombing people and spying on people, being involved in most of the coups, uh, I don't think the founders would say yeah, that's what we were, that's what we were hoping for. Yeah. And he, it's come to fruition. So I guess our work was well done. Yeah. What, what a mess what we have compared to what their desires were.
1: Now, these cluster bombs are part of an $800 million new military aid package to Ukraine. So I can't another, keep up. I can't keep <laughs> up. And as you say, Middle America is going to start wondering, hey, hang on a minute. You know, um, But the, um, the point about this is, well, here's what he said if we look at the next one. Here's his explanation to Farid Zakaria of CNN, here's how I said a little bit different. Uh, he needed to send cluster bombs because Ukraine and the US are running out of ammunition. Quote, this is, the Bi- this is Biden, this is a war relating to munitions and they're running out of ammunition and we're low on it. He said, so I finally did, I finally took the recommendation of Defense Department, not permanently, but to allow for this transition period while well, we get new more 155 weapons, those 155 millimeter shells for the Ukrainians. So it's a temporary thing. But the important thing again, as I mentioned, is the it's a real split now between the US's strongest allies in this and here's a little clip from uh, from one of the greats one of my favorite Scotsmen if we can put this on and listen to I think the first 56 seconds he I think does a really great job of putting together how the Europeans are thinking about this. If we can here's George Galloway Flux I tell you the war is going so well for NATO they've decided to supply cluster bombs to the Ukrainian armed forces. Even though 120 countries have banned it, including most of the NATO countries, who are about to be inveigled into a collective breach of their own national law by supplying the cluster bombs. Princess Diana died in vain after all her campaigning against this most pernicious of weapons, still blowing the feet and arms of Cambodian and Laotian children 50 years after the Americans dropped millions of them in an undeclared secret dirty war.
0: And speaking go. of dirty war, what? He knows how to say it. <laughs> Boy, <laughs> he's great. every time I've ever heard him over the years, yeah. he's, he has been great. Yeah, he's like consistent. Yeah, <laughs> is. which is. is nice. Yeah. But you know, um, we, maybe we should worry a little bit less because they've uh, the Ukrainians pay attention to the news and they're aware of this. That people are getting a little bit annoyed in 130 countries, you know, yeah. saying uh, this is going on. So they had to put out a statement, and they came out, and Zelensky, said, he said, uh, uh, we're going to use them very carefully, oh, yeah. <laughs> we're going to make sure that uh, we really protect civilians. And I got to thinking, you, you know, uh, carefully might mean we're going to be more accurate in killing the right people, you know, pretend. Yeah. So, uh, that's, that's his answer. We can overcome that. The, uh, nothing's perfect, you know, and uh, a lot of times bombs uh, hurt and kill each other. What about what about and I mentioned to you just a short while ago. How, how about the killing that went on in World War Two, uh, you, you know, by by the U.S. in bombing and burning down cities where there was very little. Uh, military advantage to doing this. You know, the Dresden bombing is one of uh historic. Yeah. And I understand the numbers, uh, you know, come close to the numbers killed with the, uh, with the atomic weapons.
1: Yeah, yeah, terrible, <clears> terrible. <throat> but you're right, it is a joke to hear Zelensky say, we're <laughs> gonna be real careful with those. These are the guys who, even by the U.S.'s own admission, they blew up the Kerch Bridge, uh, they blew up the pipeline. The U.S. is saying this, not, not us, not the Russians, blew up the pipeline. They attacked the Kremlin with drones, and they're shelling uh, Belgorod, uh, so they are (laughs) – and they blew up the dam. They blew up the dam as well. So this is what they've done, and they say, well, this time we're going to be careful. I think, you know, again, I think it may have been crossing a kind of uh, a Rubicon, though. And if we can put the next one up. Here's the other part that I would say that makes me think this might be a real catalyzing-ish event for, for Biden here. If you put this next one up, because, you know, the progressives, the House Progressive Caucus has been very quiet about this war. They've been very supportive of Biden, quietly supportive of Biden. Now, you know, uh, Congressman McGovern, uh, you worked with him in the House. He was very anti-war. He's been very, very quiet. But somehow the progressives and people in Biden's own party have found their voice when it comes to these cluster munitions. And here's McGovern. This is a piece in The Washington Times. McGovern urged Biden to listen to our NATO allies, such as UK, France, Germany, and Spain, who oppose sending cluster munitions to Ukraine and foregoing cluster bombs. So his own coalition is now attacking him, is now critical of him. He's finding himself in a corner with just him and Jake Sullivan and Anthony Blinken. I would not want to be in that corner.
0: <laughs> yes, you know, I think this will continue to do exactly what they've been doing because they have to finally decide, war is all about killing people. That's why they go to war, because they have a disagreement. And the people who, could and had a, had opportunities o- over a period of time of developing uh, more peaceful arrangements. I certainly thought ho I was hopeful yeah. about after the Cold War ended. But even even recently, you know, some of the agreements that were made, you know, as as these wars were breaking out, even in 2014, it since then there's been a, a desire by a few people trying to get the two sides together. Yeah. But uh, they're determined to have the war. But if you're determined to have the war, that means you're. Determined I mean, you have to kill people. Yeah. And then they say, well, you know, we, we'll be careful. We'll be careful. And uh, I don't think statistics hold up very well about how well the civilians are protected in any war. And I get to thinking. Most countries still put a lot of pressure uh, on their people, patriotic pressure, or by uh, conscription, and they're the ones who you know are out in the front lines, you know, uh, yeah. and, and and get killed. Uh, it's, that that to me just blows my mind. Of course, I, I should should understand it because you know I didn't step aside and refuse to go to the military <laughs> back in 1962. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that, that, that's a longer story that, to tell. But that, it, it's it's just, to, to me, tragic the, how how the innocent suffer. It's the same thing with economics. Who suffers from, you know, the, the money and the deficits? And the poor people vote with the Democrats and the welfareers because we're going to get food stamps, food yeah. stamps. The salaries always go up faster than the cost of living. And and they do that and they believe it all the time. But who suffered? The middle class. Do you you think there's very many rich people from Hollywood on (laughs) on the streets right now uh, uh, in California? Maybe
1: by choice. (laughs) (laughs) That's a different story. And I
0: don't think they've opened up their gates to let the immigrants come in that they uh, promoted so vigorously.
1: Yeah. Well, the other way I think this is hurting Biden politically is it's giving a lot of traction and ammunition, so to speak, uh, to RFK Jr., because he's able to come out and really take the high ground as a traditional progressive anti-war Democrat. And if you look at this next one, this is from Summit News. Um, They have a piece out, ceaseless escalation, RFK Jr. slams Biden for sending cluster bombs to Ukraine. Now, here's a couple of RFK tweets. Let's put the next one up, because this is just giving him tons of ammo. He says, last year, the White House press secretary, Jen Psaki, called the use of cluster bombs a war crime. Now, President Biden wants to send them to Ukraine. Stop this ceaseless escalation. It's time for peace. And then do the next one. And here's doing another tweet. He's just going to town. And he's absolutely right. Uh, RFK Jr. on the 8th, he said, Biden was opposed to cluster bombs in in 1982 as well, when he opposed their sale to Israel what happened to his conscience that is a tough tough Think and that's giving RFK some traction. I think. Yeah, the
0: conscience has been lost a long time ago yeah. when yeah. it comes to it. And, and of course, that's the battle of hum, humankind: is uh, do, do people have conscience? Do they have a, a sense of right and wrong? And a lot of times, uh, they can set those things apart when they, when the emotions get high, uh, the politics get high, the finances get high. Uh, in in pick and order, and they, they they just believe it's. Nothing else that we can do. Yeah. So, but we're going to keep doing what we're doing, doing our best we can about uh, uh, about a position of promoting peace and prosperity, yeah. which, which I do believe in.
1: Yeah. And Senator Vance, I think, <clears throat> is one of the few Republicans I think have spoken out. Now, now he's a mixed bag, we know. But when he's good, it's nice to have him on our team. Um, if you put the next one up, here's some Republican criticism, finally, of this endless. Uh, uh, escalation. Uh, uh, Senator Vance tweeted, it's hard to believe the posture of the administration is, quote, we ran out of conventional artillery so we're sending them cluster bombs, end quote. Looking forward to the August press release from Sleepy Joe. We gave him all the cluster m- m- munitions so now we have to give him the H-bomb. <laughs> so, and he's doing it kind of in a funny way, but it is a point that they have no reverse gear. The neocons have no reverse gear. We've seen escalation after escalation. And finally, I want to do one other thing, Dr. Paul, is I want to show our friend Larry Johnson, who's spoken at a couple of our conferences, who I think is, does a terrific job, former CIA officer and analyst. He makes a great point, if you put this up. Uh, very sarcastically makes this point. Um, this is from him, his website, Son of the American New American Revolution. His headline is, Ukraine is doing great, which is why Biden is sending them cluster munitions. So... You know, it, it's just a narrative smasher, because on the one hand, if Ukraine is winning and everything is going fine, why are you desperately bringing out these weapons? Well, we don't have the ones we want. We've already given them. They obviously aren't doing anything, so we got to give them more. So it really destroys that narrative, I think, but it also destroys the narrative of our most powerful military in the world, because how is it possible we spend more than the next nine countries combined and we somehow run out of weapons?
0: Where's the money going? I mean, that's what America should be asking. See, they, they have false uh, beliefs about how to solve this problem. And one that they have resorted to in uh, more than 100 years especially, and that is the international organizations. You know, uh, we, we had to get into World War I, uh, you know, or the world would come down. Of course, the war was almost over by that time, but we had to get in to participate in the divvying up the loot. And uh, they, 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 they did that. but. Uh, the war, uh, uh, following that, they said, we have to, this was, this was built as the war to end all wars. What do we need? We need the League of Nations. And fortunately, even back then, it was uh, still a, uh, we were still able to resist. Our Senate resisted that. We didn't join, but the principles were buried there. So that was the mantra after that, you know, after World War II, we have to do better than World War One. That war didn't end all wars. Just a couple years later, we were in a bigger war. Yeah. So they, they, they expect to do this and expect the people to roll Well, we'll have a United Nations. That one will work. And, and then uh, uh, then that hasn't stopped a thing. Yeah. All I remember well is the United Nations came out. One of their biggest things they did was to get us into the Korean War without a declaration, but we can't declare it's a war, that's wrong, because it was just a little old police action that and so it's deception and they depend on that and that's what we're and we'll talk a little bit more about this you know whether Nate will NATO solve these problems or the United Nations and uh, they're always looking for another military alliance that's going to do that that is control and it it is not not just uh, control of weaponry it's a control of oil and everything else uh, down the line yeah control is the word control
1: of the money put on this next JPEG because this is a a graphic example. I wish every American could see this graph. And I apologize in advance, it's hard to read because it's a long graph, but you can tell this is where NATO defense expenditure stands in 2022. Look at the spending in billions of constant 2015 US dollars. Look how far we are ahead of all the other allies. As you always say, Dr. Paul, NATO is Washington DC. And I can't imagine any more graphic example of it than this here. And I wish America could see how much disproportionately of the quote unquote burden of defending Europe, the U.S. The US taxpayer, the U.S. middle class and the poor, as you say, how much they have to suffer to take care of rich Europe. You know
0: this in order to get to people to go along with this and sacrifice life and limb and money and the economy is they have to be fearful how did how did this happen people should stop and think how did it ever happen because it really in many ways this uh, whole process from uh, the the lockdown and uh, the covid thing, thing that, that's still going on. They didn't back off on it, even though there was a lot of objection to it. And mm-hmm. people did say that enough is enough. But what they have to depend on is fear. It has to be the, the fear of what could happen. And, uh, and uh, they use fear first and then uh, a guilt, put a guilt trip on everybody. You mean. You don't support the troops. You're not very patriotic. Yeah. Being unpatriotic, you know, is the whole thing. And I understood that that was, had something to do with scoundrels. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. resorted to, to uh, patriotism. Exactly.
1: Well, I think the last thing we want to mention, just kind of a preview, and to put on that last clip, our friend Ted Carpenter did a good piece in antiwar.com, as usual. Um, but it's, can Washington be saved from itself at the NATO summit? And as we know, we're going to talk a little bit about it, but tomorrow is when the NATO summit starts, this, the Vilnius uh, NATO summit. Uh, it doesn't look like uh, Ukraine is going to get the invitation to join. Uh, we're told that privately the U.S. and U.K. are saying no. I mean, we, they can't join. Obviously you can't join because Article 5 would kick in immediately and you'd have World War III. So the question what is going to happen As Ted points out, the usual pro-NATO, pro-Ukraine lobbyists in the West are pushing very hard to give them a membership action plan, uh, which is basically a roadmap to, to NATO membership. But I think it just seems to me, Dr. Paul, that there are some cracks in the alliance. There are some cracks domestically in the U.S. that are getting more and more manifest. And I don't expect to see anything dramatic come out of the NATO summit because of that.
0: You know, the country that I watch and you watch and you understand it very well is exactly where uh, where Turkey's coming from. Yeah. Because uh, I I think there's an honest attempt to try to calm things down a little bit and at least talk to the Russians and and yet uh, yet when they take a different position, then they risk any ability to talk to Russia. But turkey Turkey's on the, uh, is okay on putting Ukraine in into into nato but the, the other country involved in this wheeling and dealing is, is sweden yeah you know if if sweden didn't need to be in all these international organizations for over a hundred years of fighting and killing I wonder why they feel so obsessed that they have to get in now yeah. it just makes it makes no sense to me but uh but we we want them in but uh not and not ukraine yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: Smart move. Well, Ted makes a good point here. Offering to let Ukraine join NATO, now or in the future, would be the final insult and provocation to Russia. France and Germany should have stuck to their positions in 2008 and made it clear that the alliance would never include Ukraine. A great deal of needless tragedy might have been avoided if they had done so. Instead of firmly closing the door, they accepted the eventual goal of NATO membership for Kiev. So uh he <laughs> He says a lot of lives could have been saved and he's absolutely right. Well,
0: that that is true. If you look back at uh, so many of the uh, deeply flawed positions that we've been involved in, there's been a lot of scenarios where you say, well, if we hadn't done that. But you know, they don't start with a basic principle. They don't don't even want to entertain the thought that, well, maybe the basic principle ought to be related to the Constitution because the founders were concerned about perpetual wars and uh, they worried about that. They tried to make it limited They've tried to keep us out of war unless the people spoke through their members of Congress. But, but that doesn't happen anymore. They they, that's, that's almost like heresy, yeah. you know, and it is heresy for the military-industrial complex. Yeah. They want to go at will. And then and what have we ended up with? With this system, uh, rejecting that is we end up with the, with the great presidents or the war president. That may be in transition because I think George Bush, uh, W. Bush thought that's what he had to do. And he made statements along that yeah, line. All great presidents have to deal with a war. Yeah. So uh, maybe that is the case. And right now, uh, the, the, the uh, Biden war uh, is... Uh, is not doing so well and I saw I think it was Biden that said Assad has to yeah, go again he said you that, remember that not a smart and, and that was it. that was Obama's tune yeah. <laughs> Assad has to go. Gotta, go gotta
1: go well I'm gonna close out just by reminding you uh, uh, we, uh, you're watching the show we hope you enjoy the show the program but there's no substitute if you put on that next clip there's no substitute for getting together in person and that's why we supplement the show in a way with our conferences. The next one will be in Dulles, September 2nd, 2023. It's coming up in just under two months. Which way, America? The hotel is very easy to get to from the Dulles airport. There's a shuttle. We've kept our ticket prices low, as in really low. And through the month of July, you can get a early bird special and save even more money. So grab those tickets right away while they're still there going to see Dr. Paul speaking. You're going to see Colonel McGregor speaking. You're going to see Max Blumenthal speaking. There's going to be a lot of great speakers. We'll announce some more coming up, but get those tickets right away. Take advantage of the Early Bird Special, and we'll see you in September. Dr. Paul?
0: Very good. I think I'll come.
1: All right. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> oh,
0: wonderful. You know, um, the um, whole thing that I was talking about a minute ago is that pe- people have to have a basic principle that they're following. Uh, But if it's interventionism, if it's being involved, if you can run people's lives, but we'll do it the right way. We can run the economy, but we'll have to be fair and equitable. And we can run the world as long as we're fair with everybody and as long as our motive is to bring about, uh, about peace. And uh, then I suggested, as I have so many times, well, you know, we should follow the law, you know, and the law says that we shouldn't be getting involved, uh, uh, you know, in wars uh, without the people's approval. uh, And it has led to a great deal of, of, of problems. So the Constitution hasn't done well, but the founders warned us that the Constitution won't work if you don't have the morality of the people. So some of these agreements and the oath of office, that has become a farce, as far as I'm concerned from a personal viewpoint, that they don't follow it. And therefore, they've lost the guideline of what we should be involved in. And saying, well, this say, well, that sounds like it's not the fault of the Constitution. It's the fault of the people. Does that mean that all the members of Congress? Uh, basically, the members that end up in Congress are pretty careless with that uh, oath of office. But what about the people themselves? I mean, the majority of the people uh, must endorse the uh, plunder and the transfer of wealth with the belief that uh, they're going to transfer all the wealth and we will get in front of the line. They didn't know that, uh, that illegal immigrants are going to get in front of them, too. But uh, that's, that's been the problem. So they they lose their way and I think the problem is as much if not more a moral problem with the people knowing what they should do or shouldn't do and acting responsibly and assuming responsibility for oneself. So this movement that's going on right now coming out of the uh, COVID movement, uh, this, that this is a monster thing, how, how many horrible stories. I can't I was at one time starting to save these horrible stories of some of the regulations and rules and laws going in our school system. And it's too, too exasperating to go through that because everything is so dumb. And yet still, I think they're a minority. They just have a lot of voice. And I believe the majority of the American people still believe in the basic principles of what our founding fathers uh, believe and what's in the Constitution. But our voices have become weak, but I think they're getting a little bit louder. And that is our job to convince people that peace and prosperity is worth putting a, a shout out for that and say, yes, Peace and prosperity is a good goal. That's what we're going to continue to fight for. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.